Welcome to Ballistic Radio. Join us as we explore the subtlety and nuance inside the world of personal protection. Listen as industry experts, thought leaders, and pioneers investigate why it depends is the answer of champions. Ballistic Radio, critical thought over empty rhetoric. Ballistic Radio is brought to you by Big Tech's Ordinance. Big Tech's Ordinance, where every customer is a friend, not just an order. Visit them online at BigTechsOrdinance.com. And now, here's your host, John Johnston. Welcome to Ballistic Radio. I got a story to tell you guys. Brought to you by Big Tech's Ordinance, where every customer is a friend, not just an order. Visit them online at BigTechsOrdinance.com. I'm your host, John Johnston. Damn, I wish I was better at my job. Remember, you can always listen to past shows at BallisticRadio.com and get the latest behind-the-scenes info, arguments, photos, videos, other stuff at Facebook.com slash BallisticRadio. Joining me tonight is one of the kindest, most patient, uh, (laughs) grace-filled men I know, uh, Mr. Wayne Dobbs. Wayne, let's try this again. Okay. Um, We had a a technical uh, issue, and... When I say technical issue, it was user error. Um, my user error, to be specific. But uh, luckily, we hadn't gotten too, too far into things before I noticed. Um, Wayne, for those that don't know, uh, who are you and what do you do? Well, I, uh, I have been in the police, police training, firearms training, firearms industry business since 1978. I started as a police officer in Richardson, Texas, uh, a large suburb on the north side of Dallas in 78. I served 25 years, retired 2003, uh, served 18 of those 25 years as a detective uh, working in organized crime uh, and narcotics uh, assignments mainly. I uh, spent a great deal of my energy and time and money on developing uh, the best firearm skills that I could. And I consequently noticed that what I could get from within my profession slash agency did not meet up with what I thought were needs. Uh, And that had been stimulated by uh, a couple of what were really ragged close calls. So I went out and started getting uh, extra training. Uh, Got my first firearms instructor certification in 1980 and then proceeded to go through uh, quite a few different different trainers uh, packages. After I retired, I went to work for the State Department on a police training contract in Iraq from 2004 to 2006, uh, running a firearms training program in Baghdad to transition Saddam era law enforcement or police officers into uh, what what everybody would try to term as a democratically trained or democratic concepts type police officer. That was, uh, that was not a goal that was achieved. Although the firearms training programs that I ran did achieve some, some, uh, successes. After that, I worked for the state department on another contract teaching in the WIPS program, which is worldwide protective services. And that was uh, training protective detail people, uh, for foreign deployments. I also, uh, worked for Colt several years as a armor instructor in their law enforcement training division, teaching M4 and 1911 armors courses. And I also began my association with Aimpoint back then about 2010 or 12 uh, as a pro staffer, uh, doing product demos, working trade shows, et cetera, for them. And have continued uh, 
continued with the firearms training education uh, to include yesterday I drove home uh, from a weekend uh, down in Bandera, Texas, west of San Antonio, where I did advanced instructor, uh, range master advanced instructor with Tom Gibbons. So I'm, I'm still deep into the training mode, still uh, extremely energetic for teaching, uh, teaching people proper use of firearms. And so that's, that's where I am. I've been at it for 42 years in the training side and 44 years in the law enforcement side. Well, and so I don't, I, I don't want to say you're a peer of mine because I am not your peer. Uh, you've been doing this longer than I've been alive. Right. And, and, you know, so I've, I've known you, we've kind of run in the same circles for, I think the better part of a decade. Um, and I've, I've always very much respected your, um, perspective on things and, and the information that, that you give folks. I think the thing that's most impressed me though, is, you know, I w I would consider you kind of along the same lines that I would consider some other people that I've been very lucky to know or encounter uh, folks like you mentioned, Tom Givens, um, Pat Rogers, uh, Masayu, people that have been doing this an incredibly long time, but have continued to hone their craft and adapt and sort of uh, adopt um you know, really a growth mindset, like through the entirety of their career. And I guess I have, I have a global question for you and then a more specific question. And that would be, um, you know, globally as someone that has gotten to see a lot of technology, you know, come online in all of this has technology fundamentally change what we're trying to do here when it comes to, you know, putting rounds on people that need rounds put on them. And specifically, what are your thoughts as far as red dots on pistols and sort of how those have evolved um, inside of the last decade or so? Okay. Uh, fundamentally, as far as the technology shifts, I, I've got to watch a lot of them. I watched the uh, revolver to auto pistol transition that started in the mid eighties. Uh, I've watched holsters change from being simple molded leather uh, and cotton stitching uh, with a simple thumb break all the way up to what I see today, as far as the high tech uh, molded plastic or polymer uh, type holsters with security devices and that holds weapons with optics and lights all in a, a modular package, almost like space age times. Uh, that's, that's been interesting to watch. I've watched the uh, evolution of weapons lights on, on handguns and rifles, uh, which is uh, a general positive, although those can be uh, without the proper training, a real issue in, in operational yep. use. Yeah. Uh, I've watched ammunition shift from being positively awful to about as good as I could, I think we can reasonably expect, uh, short of having some kind of depleted nuclear materials in it to turn them into a mushroom cloud if you shoot them, uh, which I don't think is possible. But I've watched a lot of things change uh, over the years, especially in, in the police world. As far as does it 
make us put more rounds on bad guys. I, I think if you're fair and you look at it, uh, you'd, you'd be kind of disappointed when you say that maybe we haven't done much better. We've done better on, on, a, on ability or on potential, but I don't think that we've, uh, we've done what we need to do to achieve the actual operational competence of people. I still see uh, quite a bit of rank mediocrity uh, out there in the firearms world, both both from the private citizen perspective and the law enforcement perspective. I do see what what I do notice is that you have bright spots in both places. And generally speaking, if you have a citizen, a private citizen that's training uh, fairly uh, fairly faithfully, they will typically have better overall uh, mechanical skills at shooting than, than a lot of police officers. Uh, so are we doing better? I don't think there is a great big net shift. I think there should be, and I think there can be uh, if we decide to. That's, that's, a, uh, that's a tough thing to say, uh, but that is the truth um, that I see right now. Right. And well, so I want to hear your thoughts on red dots too. I will say we've got about two and a half minutes left in this segment. So if you hold your thought on red dots, one thing I'll, I'll ask in regards to the first thing that you said, um, and you can get like a, a quick answer on a quick ish. Uh, do you think that the primary issue regarding specifically the rank mediocrity, as you call it, is that people don't know what good looks like i think that's a great deal of it i think that um i think that they don't know what good really looks like i don't think that many of them have an idea of what their true capabilities can be Mm -hmm. Uh, there is enough good out there that people ought to be paying attention to it but one thing i know about general government and law enforcement training is that it's extremely parochial and it's extremely incestuous they just keep on doing the same thing over and over with themselves. Uh, they don't want to reach out. I had lunch today with a guy that I've known for 40 years and he said, yeah, I never really, I never really went outside and looked for other training other than what the department gave me. And that's, that is the norm. Yeah. Well, and it strikes me too, that, um, you know, honestly, so I've, I learned how to shoot before I learned how to ride a bicycle. Um, well, I mean, and I know that sounds weird, but, uh, I started shooting, you know, I'm 39. I just turned 39, but I've been shooting for 35 years. The issue is that the first, uh, 23, 24 years of that, even, you know, in the moments where I carried a gun for work, um, I wasn't very good and I had no idea what good looked like until I ran across, uh, Todd green. Um, Mm -hmm. funny enough, uh, Todd green changed the entire course of my life. Um, and it's, it's interesting just like how impactful, uh, seeing a higher standard can be on stuff like that. But absolutely. uh, you know, um, we got to go to break and I really want to hear what you have to say about okay. red dots. Uh, right now we're talking with Wayne Dobbs. You're listening to ballistic radio. 
Welcome back to Ballistic Radio, brought to you by Big Tech's Ordnance, where every customer is a friend, not just an order. Visit them online at BigTechsOrdnance.com. This segment brought to you by Wilson Combat. Wilson Combat, makers of the finest custom 1911s and scatterguns since 1977, a legacy of quality, innovation, and service. Learn more about their firearms and accessories, as well as the X9 series of firearms, which offers discriminating shooters 1911 match-grade accuracy, superior ergonomics, and concealability with modern service pistol capacity as well as reliability at wilsoncombat.com so we're talking with wayne dobbs and you know the the first segment we were sort of touching on um it doesn't really matter what new technology there is if people don't get good uh was was essentially the the too long didn't read version of that um i think you know and and i don't know if you had anything else no, that's that's very fair to characterize it that way. I I think that you know it's like having a a great race car. Let's say we got a great Formula One race car, but we're a terrible driver or a mediocre driver. There's no way we can reliably use the capability of that car, and in fact, it may prove very dangerous to us if we if we think we can. Right. So there is a lot of capable. If if we were to have our training. Uh, acumen catch up with our technological capability i think uh, i think we could do some some amazing things and and that's not to to say that hey you still can't do great work with a stock uh iron-sided weapon without a weapon light mounted people you know regular people around the world do that every day in some sure. form or fashion sure well and you know so you mentioned like weapon lights um and you know i'm lucky enough that in in the course of my career i've gotten to work on actually a number of those and you know that's a conversation that i've gotten to have with a lot of people is like you know yes they provide greater capability but anything you know there's you've you've got to know how to use anything for it to not become a net negative um you 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 don't magically like throw anything onto a gun and immediately have the knowledge to implement it if it if that knowledge doesn't already exist inside of the end user that's right you know that's absolutely correct um and i think a lot of people miss that yeah, it, there's there's a great deal, and and I don't know if it's American or if it's just, you know, a natural thing of thinking that if I buy something, it will make me better. Uh, and you know, fashion marketing has played that game with both sexes for ages. You know, if you have this kind of clothes or that suit or that dress or that perfume or whatever it might be then automatically you're much more uh, significant and, and desirable to be around for whatever purposes. Mm-hmm. And, and the same thing happens. So you see people do it with cars. Uh, you see people obviously in our world, do it with firearms, uh, whether it be pistols, rifles, or shotguns. Yeah. And I I've witnessed it at close quarters more times than I care to, to even think about of people thinking, okay, I've bought these gizmos to go on my blaster. And so therefore I am now ready to roll and they're not even a good fundamental shooter. They, yep. they may not even be safe. So there's, there's some, there are some approaches or some fundamental approaches that have to be uh, 
have to be well handled before you worry about accessorizing. Yeah. Um, and we could have an entire show about that. Oh, uh, my maybe, Lord. Yes, we could. <laughs> maybe, maybe we will. And it, it would be an interesting show too, because frankly, I've, I personally have been part of that problem. Um, you know, like part of, part of my job is, is selling people things. And I, I have always tried to sell people good things, but there's certainly aspects to that, that, um, you know, are, again separate conversation uh but now i kind of want to have that conversation with you so maybe we'll put a pin in that one um as far as specific to the red dots um i i was not an early adopter to those in fact i actually fought against them for a very long time until my eyes just uh, stopped cooperating and so but i have watched that pretty closely for the last 10 years or so. And, and, you know, clearly part of your function at Aimpoint, I assume is, um, you know, uh, educating people on red dot stuff. And we're not going to make this a, uh, brand versus brand comparison. Um, but I mean, what are your general thoughts and what, you know, how have those evolved over the last 20, 30 40 years and that's the other thing too people don't understand how long this has been a thing right Aimpoint, you know originated the red dot reflex optic they they yep. put one out uh about 1975 mm-hmm. and of course it was it was a very limited distribution thing and and red dots uh or dot sites really didn't become a thing i'm gonna say until in the 90s and at that point, you started seeing military adoptions of uh, of rifle optics, and Aimpoint was certainly in the forefront of that. And the Army adopted the uh, M sixty eight in nineteen ninety seven, which was an Aimpoint Comp M two, and then they uh, superseded it with another M sixty eight version in about two thousand and four, I think, which is the Comp M four, what we call a Comp M four, and and so. After that, then red dot optics on rifles became a thing. Now, there are optics on rifles that are not red dot optics, and I'm specifically talking about what the Marine Corps did with ACOG. That's a magnified optic, mm-hmm. so I don't consider that as part of the as part of a red dot optic. But you don't see any leading edge military or law enforcement operation uh, that's fielding a carbine or a rifle that doesn't have an optic on it of some sort. And as far as red dot optics, uh, the, I was the same as you, I held off and fought against it until about 2005. And at that point I bought uh, an Aimpoint Comp M3 and put it on a, on a Colt carbine and went and took a Pat Rogers class. And I, I was sitting there thinking, what have I been missing here? Because it was like a monster leap in capabilities from going from iron sights to, uh, to a dot site. And as I've gone along and as we've looked at dot sites on rifles and, and now dot sites on pistols, there is, there is a fundamental situation there that people perhaps don't snap on. And what it is, the reason a dot site is a thing is because you don't use near the brain power to achieve shooting solution uh, with a dot site that you do with iron sights. Right. If you will look at iron sights shooting solutions, uh, 
let's say if it's a pistol, you put a square post inside a square notch and you level it off and look for even light transmission around the front sight through the rear notch. Uh, or if it's a carbine, you look for a, a front sight post that's vertical, maybe with wings, and you center it in the aperture, the rear circular aperture. What you're doing with both of those is you are using your cerebral cortex, you're using your reasoning brain to form language. You're making a square W with a pistol, you're making an I inside of an O with the carbine. And the same brain that reads and, and looks at letters and interprets them is the same brain part that's aligning those sights. And, and we've done great work with iron sights over the years. Yeah. But if you look at it, most of that great work was done under lower stress levels or further distances between opponents to where that could, that program could be run without a lot of stress from, uh, from the fear of, you know, that our existence is, is about to come to a screeching halt. Uh, in that fight. If you have close quarter fights that, and if you look at videos, if you talk to people that were in the fights and, and if they tell you the truth, what you're going to come up with is a lot of people that may have been slightly aware of optic or have been aware of sites, but most of them didn't use them. And most of them were, were very intensely target or threat focused. Mm -hmm. uh, that, that runs up against the fundamental training and teaching of how you use iron sights because with iron sights, you align those sights, you put a hard focus on the front one. And then you, and, and I've heard this, I've said it, your target is slightly blurry and you break the shots and, 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 uh, everybody is happy and you go home to mama and drink a whiskey. Uh, unfortunately that's not the truth for a lot of folks and a lot of fights. Uh, and we, we realize that. I mean, we sit there and looked at that over and over again, and people would I, would would review a fight and say, "Well, he didn't look, he didn't use his sights at all, and that's why he missed so much." And that's true. I mean, he he the the shooter didn't see what they needed to see, and 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 they didn't come up with a, a result. And I I presented at TACCON a couple of weeks ago about four or five shootings from my department, and uh, it it involved uh, thirty total shots at at distances under fifteen feet, most of them under five feet. And there was one hit. Yeah. One hit. 5% hit rate. And it was kind of, you know, kind of shocking. So enter irons or enter dot sites. What dot sites do is they take your brain effort and quit using it to align sites. And that it, it incur, in fact, it requires that your focal point be the threat yeah. or the target. And all the iron sight is doing is confirming that you have alignment. It's not being used to negotiate alignment like you're doing with iron sights. Mm -hmm. It's simply you, as soon as you've got this, you've got your focus on the threat, you insinuate or become aware of the dot superimposing. You don't look at the dot. The, the dot is not the focal point. You, you simply are aware that the dot just covered the target and you, you break the shot if you've got a shoot decision. So it's essentially see threats uh, be aware of dot break shot and it cuts way down on how long it takes to deliver an accurate shot. And it cuts way down on how much brain power is required to use, uh, to, to achieve a shooting solution. And so therefore your brain gets to do things that we need it to be doing, which is thinking about what kind of decision am I making? What kind of tactics am I using? What kind of problem solving do I need to be working on while this problem is going on? And the gun literally becomes almost uh, a, 
a, a subconscious accessory to the fight. That's that's the beauty of an iron or of a dot sight. It's it's nothing else. It's simply that that you achieve confirmation instead of negotiating shooting solution. Well, and I want to talk more about that, but we need to go to break, uh, which will give me an opportunity to really think about how I'd like to phrase my next question. Right now, we're talking with Wayne Dobbs. You're listening to Ballistic Radio. Welcome back to Ballistic Radio, brought to you by Big Tech's Ordinance, where every customer is a friend, not just an order. Visit them online at bigtechsordinance.com. Com. This segment also brought to you by Big Tech's Ordinance. Big Tech's Ordinance is the best place for you to find all of your everyday carry needs at the absolute best prices. Maybe you need all the Candela from ModLite at the lowest price? No problem. This one's going to be relevant. Spend too much time alone in your room and, well, now you need an optic on your pistol? Big Tech's Ordinance has those and they don't judge. Glock accessories? Yes. Fast, cheap shipping, 100% hassle-free returns, all that and more. And best of all, Big Tech's Ordinance has Ike. He's a good man and thorough. I like Ike. Everybody likes Ike, and you'll like Ike, too. Visit BigTechsOrdinance.com today and find out what happens when every customer is a friend, not just an order. And also, if you visit Big Tech's Ordinance in the month of April, at least, before the end of April, they're giving away a big giant backpack full of amazing goodies. Uh, no purchase required and you can sign up on their website. So we're talking with Wayne Dobbs and you were discussing how essentially um, the difference between negotiating a solution, a firing solution, a site picture, whatever term you want to use versus just a wearing at one. And it strikes me that, you know, what I've seen a lot of as far as uh, in my research, and uh, I'm a student of gunfighting history. It's always been an interest of mine, you know, and you, you have guys like Jim Cirillo talking about a, a silhouette site picture and stuff and acknowledging essentially the, um, you know, the issue with at close range, if someone's trying to kill you, it's really hard not to look directly at them. Mm-hmm. Um, not that it never happens, but it's difficult. And and essentially the way dots work and how that frees a processing power to make better decisions in the moment. My My question for you, I guess, is... <sighs> It strikes me that the people that seem to benefit the most from dots um, the most quickly are extremely advanced shooters and really new shooters. And if anyone's going to struggle with them, it tends to be somewhere in the middle of the bell curve, at least for a little while. And one, I don't know if you agree with that or not. And, and, And to be clear, I'm not saying that there aren't advantages and this isn't like a Uh, an absolute statement everyone inside of that curve struggles but like if someone's going to it seems to be somewhere in there and one i guess it does that mirror your experience um and if not that's that's fine um but if it does do you have any thoughts on that uh i what i find is that brand new shooters uh are are the most uh 
are the easiest to trans or it's not even a transition. You're just teaching them this from the get go. Yeah. Uh, that that's, that's an easy part. And in fact, that is a, that is a very significantly emerging model of adoption uh, in the agencies that I've been dealing with and watching as, as we have, as Aimpoint has put a pistol site out there. Uh, they are, there's several different ways they'll do it. They'll say, okay, one model is we're going to say, okay, we're going to equip SWAT with them and let them run with them for a year or two and see what it looks like. And then we'll, then we'll consider the whole department. Uh, another one is to say, we're going to do this and we're going to start it in the academy and we'll migrate everybody else in as we have the ability to do so. Mm-hmm. The, the academy approach, uh, is brilliant. It mm-hmm. works really, really well because you're ostensibly starting with a clean slate there. You're not always, I mean, you always have some people that think they know how to shoot or they <laughs> have some, some firearms experience that are showing up, but basically you have an easier slate to work with than you do with in-service uh, officers. In-service officers are oftentimes pretty hard headed, pretty dyed in the wool, uh, think they know more than they actually do, uh, bring a lot of ego to the table. And so all of those things uh, make things a lot more difficult because what you're essentially doing is you're standing them up and saying, I'm going to teach you how to shoot all over again. Uh, I'm going to teach you how this works and, and we're going to, we're going to retrain you on something new. And that that's a hard pill to swallow for some of them because a lot of them are deeply uh, invested in, in, in what they already have. They don't want something different. Cops are not the most perceptive people to change. And you're, you're putting a big change on them when you say, because a great deal of the time, I would say a majority of the time, you're also putting a different pistol in their holster. Right. Um, I've seen a lot of agencies saying, okay, we're going to, we're going to, quit carrying this and we're going to start carrying this with an optic on it. So that, that is true that you have a, a difficult time there. Uh, it can be overcome, especially if you can show them early success in transition training. A lot of the transition training that's going on out there is not, uh, perhaps that well, that well developed and well de- delivered. Uh, we do a transition program at Aimpoint for departments that adopt it, uh, that I have to say, you know, I'm, I, I have a hard time being objective at times, but I can be objective about this. I've watched tons of law enforcement training. I've put on a bunch. I've developed a bunch. And this this uh, this package that we're delivering is nothing short of astounding. Uh, and and I've watched enough mid, mid-range in-service officers go through it now that I, I know what we're doing, and I know that it's super quality. Uh, I, I think the dot on a pistol makes more sense than a dot on a rifle, quite frankly. Uh, we, we have rifles and we have rifles almost as fashion statements in a lot of places, but pistols are something that everybody has. Iron sight programs, uh, that we try to teach have been across the board, pretty mediocre in the results. If you look at, if you look at how many shots get fired at offenders every year by the police and how many shots actually strike those offenders, um, you're, you're talking in, in terms of most places around 20 to 30% at best, a 30% department is a pretty daggum good department in, in, in shootings. Yeah. Uh, I think, well, just some, some, some real quick empirical stuff that I've gathered up as in the past two or three years on this is that we are seeing regular line officers start shooting at 70, 80, 90, and a hundred percent in fights with dot sites. It, it is, it is truly with the proper training, 
proper selection, I, I think it is going to be a huge leap forward. Now, we can ruin it by by going mediocre on the training, just saying, hey, yeah, we'll give them a four-hour train up and send them out. It needs to be a couple of days. Yeah. But it is uh, it is a leap forward. It truly is. I, I, I am extremely excited about it. I haven't seen anything proliferate like dot sites on pistols uh, over the 40-plus the years I've been involved in this. Well, and and that's that's kind of an interesting thing in so much that i you know just in my personal experience and and we're coming at this from two different directions um if i i really think dots in general from an instructor's standpoint just make it easier to teach other stuff um because Again, uh, assuming, assuming a quality dot mounted correctly, zeroed correctly, um, they are much more simple than people tend to think they are. Now, we, we have to go to break, um, and I kind of, I, I have another question I'm really curious to hear you uh, answer and hopefully skirt around NDAs. Uh, so <laughs> um, right now we're talking with Wayne Dobbs. You're listening to Ballistic Radio. Welcome back to Ballistic Radio brought to you by Big Tech's Ordnance, where every customer is a friend, not just an order. Visit them online at bigtechsordnance.com. So I'm talking with Wayne Dobbs and my question for you, we're talking about dots. We're talking about the importance of training and ultimately what everything boils down to is it doesn't really matter what cool thing you have um, if you don't know how to use it. But moving away from that a little bit, one of the reasons that I think that you started to see dots really sort of um, become more like honestly more common than irons in certain circles is because the technology has improved. My question for you is, is it fully matured or is there still stuff that needs to happen? And if so, what, what is that? It's not fully mature. Uh, There's no way you can say that something that is at best mainstream for three to five years is matured. That's, that's, that's ludicrous. Uh, I think, and, and I'm not, I'm not skirting any NDAs here. I'm just talking about the, uh, the general, sure. general possibilities and capabilities. I certainly think we'll see them get smaller. Uh, I think we'll see them. Uh, I think we'll see at some point the possibility, perhaps even probability that the dot site, instead of being an accessory that's mounted to a pistol is manufactured as a, as a mono body, shall we say, yep. uh, part of the slide. In other words, there'll be some kind of cooperation between the optics company and the firearms manufacturer where the whole thing is a machined unit or, an, you know, a manufactured unit with all together. Uh, I think you will see, uh, I think you'll see perhaps other energy sources besides just batteries. Um, I, I mean, we sit, sit there and think about a flashlight 
how many of these high intensity flashlights have you seen that you can charge with a, a USB cable off your computer? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's a, that's certainly a possibility. I, I threw this out several years ago when this first started uh, proliferating and, and I threw out the idea of why wouldn't we mount a super compact one, you know, some kind of streamlined profile and mount it ahead of the ejection port, you know? Yeah. Uh, so there, there's, there's all kinds of, of ways this can go. Compactness, I think is, is the, the main thing we'll see. And we're already seeing, you know, com- compact, uh, optics for, for the carry pistols, uh, the, the Glock 48s, 43s, 43Xs, the SIG 365s, Smith & Wesson Shields, etc. I think that's probably, from a commercial side, where, where most of the growth will be. Obviously, the law enforcement uh, side of things will want service pistols with optics on them. And, and certainly, that, that market is, is very robust right now, and there's a lot of people uh, out there fighting for the market share. So, uh, I, I, that's what I see. I, I'll, I'll tell, I'll tell you what I tell people though. This, it is here to stay. It's not going away. It's not going to, it's not going to disappear. I, I talked to the guys your age that I'm out there in the, that are in the police world that are firearms trainers and stuff. And I say, you guys, when you're my age, you're going to sit around the campfire with a whiskey and a cigar and say, you remember when we used to teach them how to use iron sights. Yeah. Uh, those days are gone. They're, they're, they're going to depart very quickly. I, I, I'll, I'll throw out something radical. This, this will cause some people's heads to explode. I think backup iron sights will disappear in the next three years. Hmm. I and have, I, I have thoughts on that. Um, but I'm also weird in that I really like them being there for very specific reasons. Um, but I'm going to, I'm going to blow up one of your balloons here. If you're using them to try to find a dot, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> no, I see. I see people doing that. They say, "Well, what I do is I find the iron sights, and that helps me find the dot." And no. if they're doing that, then they're then they're operating completely off the reservation. I'll I'll go somewhere that um, you will actually have an appreciation of that most people talking won't, or most people listening won't, just because they never like trained with them or got trained on them. Um, but remember how uh, Crimson Trace used to teach uh, lasers. And in so much that, um, like, hey, if you get the irons first and there's no laser, just go with the irons. And if you get the laser first, um, go with the laser uh-huh. sort of deal. That's that's kind of how I um, how I I don't go looking for either thing. It's whichever thing I see first is going to be what I go to. But the the dot is primary and it's always primary. And as soon as I have it, that's that's where I'm at. But I'm not actively looking for either one if that mm-hmm. makes sense yeah um and and i know that's like a weird semantic thing and i agree with you the thought of look for your irons and that'll help you find the dot um i just don't want to waste any time on looking for either i just want one of them to be there and i'd prefer it be the dot but if it's not i'm not going to go looking for it either you know what i mean I do. So, um, but, but that's, that's one of those. Well, actually I, I, I agree with you fully. Um, I, I do. I know it didn't sound like it. I'm just a pedantic asshole sometimes. So I apologize. Oh no, no worries. I, I, I think that, that there is a, 
I think there is a general uh, feeling around going on about how you teach people to find the dot. That's a that's a big thing. There's there's a lot of people that are out there kind of stumbling around, and and I can tell that because when when I support a class or a transition class, uh, I, I like to watch what's going on. And there's invariably some people there that have been working with them, and most of them haven't. And uh, the first the first thirty minutes or an hour of this uh, is is always extremely illuminating. Mm-hmm. Uh, once once we teach people how to find a dot and and our our whole goal that we say is we want you to find learn how to find this dot and then by the end of this training we want you to be bored with shooting this pistol because your brain is doing other work right the, the pistol shooting is no longer a task like it has been well and, and then we get into the whole reason people can't find the dot to begin with is because people aren't teaching fundamentals correctly and right. everyone wants to make things about anything other than the fundamentals and really the fundamentals are arguably the only thing there is and everything else helps support those and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. If, if, if people, and you know, I've, I've taught lots and lots of fundamental firearms training and love to do it. Sure. But instead of going through the seven firearms fundamentals, at which point, you know, by about point number three or four, they're all drifting off or, or on their phones. I quit doing that. I just say, basically the fundamentals are you grip the gun, you aim the gun, you shoot the gun and, re- and you recover to do it again. Yep. That's, that's, that's what shooting. And until someone is capable of gripping a gun and, and keeping it still enough relative to a target while they break the shot until they can do that, nothing is going to make them better. And, and until they have that fundamental foundation of proper grip and able to manipulate a trigger straight to the rear without changing things, uh, appreciably, uh, everything else is everything else is just pointless. Um, yeah. And one thing I've noticed about shooting dot sites a lot is that it, it, it is a, uh, an unforgiving judge of your, your technique, because if you blow a shot, I mean, you see it in technicolor, you see that dot take a dive and you're just like, Holy smokes, because a lot of them don't see the sights go, go away if they if they blow a shot because they're staring at the target or their their focus isn't on sights but with this thing even if your focus is on the target if you blow a shot you see that dot do the dip and and that's that is a uh that is an unforgiving master well and it's it's frankly honestly the biggest advantage that comes from a like if we're talking just stupid human tricks shooting like you know just the mechanics of shooting the dots biggest advantage and biggest downside is the same thing. And it's the amount of visual feedback you get. Um, and depending on, you know, <laughs> how your mind is, um, it can be everything that you need it to be. And it can be um, a squirrel that you go chasing. And, and that's, Honestly, any challenge that I've ever encountered with anybody um, as far as dot shooting goes and like the dot itself sort of boils down to that. Um, But I I think at the end of the day, it's, you know, amazingly helpful. Um, We're coming up on the end of the show. And what I would like is you to impart whatever the most important thing is that you would like for people to take away from this 
And then tell folks how they can um, get more info from you or uh, pay you money to teach them stuff. Um, I guess the most important thing I can say about this is besides the fact that if it's for defense, that you've got to develop a good mindset about the whole thing and, and have your mental game well in order and your, your, your avoidance game well in order. If it comes down to the, the technology of shooting or the capability of shooting, uh, the first thing that has to be done besides obvious safety practices is someone has to learn how to fundamentally shoot the weapon. Well, whether it's with iron or with a dot doesn't really matter at this point until they have the fundamentals of grips, grip and and trigger control and, and aligning a weapon on there. It's not going to do much good. Yeah. Uh, That's an, that's an absolute uh, requirement. After that, then you can start looking for whatever the technological advantage that you're looking for is. Uh, and obviously there's a lot of things out there. I will say this, uh, your, your salvation and your solution is not in more complex dots, circles, hold off leads, lags, different colors. It is something that's just a simple, a simple representation that tells you very quickly that you are confirmed of your alignment and you can break the shot. Uh, if, if people are saying, well, I like, I like this gizmo with the, the, the purple dot and the green horizontal crosshair and everything like that. They are looking at the wrong thing. The target is where your focus is uh, with dot sites. And if the target is not where your focus is, if you're, if you're nego- then, then you're back to negotiating with the gun or, or trying to work shooting solutions at the gun instead of simply being aware of them. And it's not going to take you as far as you can go. Right. So where can people uh, find you at? Uh, they can uh, send me an email, my personal email at wayne.dobbs at yahoo.com, or I'm on Facebook also uh, as Wayne Dobbs. And uh, if you're in the shooting world, then you'll find me on your Facebook feed, I'm sure. Uh, but I would be glad to hear from anybody. I'd, I'd be glad to discuss this with anybody uh, that wants to talk about it. It's, it's, it's a fascinating field. Uh, this, this dot technology has changed things. I think it'll change things for the better, especially if we proliferate excellent training. Perfect. Dude, thank you so much for coming on. I I appreciate you. Um, And whether you know it or not, you've actually had a giant impact on uh, me personally and specifically how I teach students. And I will tell you about that online because we are absolutely out of time. Right. Um, But... uh, uh, I appreciate you, sir. Hey, guys, make sure you check out our website, BallisticRadio.com. Like our Facebook page at Facebook.com slash BallisticRadio. And, hey, if you think we've earned it, keep leaving those five-star reviews on iTunes. We really appreciate it. It helps us out. Thanks for listening, everyone. As always, be safe. See you next week. Don't